This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. For the News and Observer, I'm Dawn Bond, your host for Under the Dome this week of Monday, July 10th, 2023. I'm here today with my politics team colleagues, reporter Kyle Ingram, and our intern for the summer, Micaiah Simonera. Micaiah, this is your inaugural podcast, so thanks for being on. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> uh, so it's July, and the North Carolina General Assembly is still in its long session. And that's about right for the state because they usually take their time passing the budget and whatever else they're up to. Um, arguing about money is a global pastime, and Republican lawmakers are no different. Uh, it's, this time it's an argument between the two chambers. But before we get to the budget, if you're watching this on video, I'll also explain later why the Outer, why the outer Banks left a mark on my face, too. <laughs> so let's talk about really the biggest news of the past few days. Uh, we record this a few days before you're listening to it or watching it on Monday. Are these three vetoes from Democratic Governor Roy Cooper of LGBTQ-related bills, specifically tra uh, two transgender bills, and then this other bill, the Parents' Bill of Rights, which is... Uh, broader and affects um, schools uh, um, significantly and teachers and everything else. So before we get to Parents' Bill of Rights, uh, Micaiah, you've been working on taking a look at, um, at these bills and what it means, not just in North Carolina, but compared to, to other states, to nationally, and what this means. So what are you seeing beyond those of us that are Raleigh-focused on, on what these bills are? Yeah, so we're seeing, you know, a huge increase in these, you know, transgender related bills specifically, you know, targeting this population when it comes to, you know, gender affirming care. Um, we're seeing a lot of these transgender athlete bans um, and kind of similar parental rights uh, bills as well. Um, there's been 560 bills across the country um, this year alone, which has been, you know, tripling the amount that it was the year before. So this is a huge trend that's been going on across the country. It's not just North Carolina. Um, and I believe two weeks ago now, um, it's there was a um, gender affirming care law that had um, it would bar minors from receiving certain types of gender affirming care in Arkansas. Um, and that was struck down by a federal judge. Um, so that was deemed unconstitutional for on behalf of the First and the 14th Amendment. Um, and North Carolina honestly has a very similar bill that's making its way through. That was one of the bills that was vetoed by Governor Cooper um, this week. So, What do you think, um, from people that you've talked to, this has become such an, an issue by design with all these bills this year as opposed to last year or years before? Um, what are you seeing why this is suddenly why people want to do something, pass legislation about this? Yeah, so I spoke with some, some experts, both uh, from Columbia University and from North Carolina State University. Um, and we're just kind of seeing this rise in culture war issues in general is what I was, you know, told. Um, you know, these issues of race as well are a big one that's, you know, making their way through state legislatures across the country. 
Um, and you know, we're seeing that transgender issues specifically, um, they're able to kind of divide the Democratic Party. There's not a general consensus on transgender issues. And we saw that even with the transgender um, athlete ban that made its way through um, you know, the House and the Senate here. Um, we had a Democrat. Um, Spell that boy got, in the Senate. Yeah, voted, you know, in favor of this, this ban. And the same thing happened, you know, in the House as well with Michael Ray. Um, so, you know, this isn't an issue that has a consensus, you know, among Democrats like it does, you know, with Republicans who are pretty unified on this issue and are pretty, you know, gung-ho on getting these, these bills through. Parents' Bill of Rights, um, Kyle and I both covered, I guess, last year, the year before, and it, Parents' Bill of Rights then kind of came out of um, an LGBTQ focus of the type of bill that came out that was anti-critical race theory, and of course, anti-CRT was the big flashpoint a couple years ago, and it had this national legislation mm-hmm. that um, Republican lawmakers were pushing and different versions of that anti-CRT bill um, from the past sessions showed up this time with university employees and with state employees with almost like very similar bill language. Mm-hmm. And Parents' Bill of Rights, which didn't make it, I don't think made it to Cooper's desk last time, um, is now, like at the same time, he vetoed those, those two other bills. And Parents' Bill of Rights, a lot of it is about transparency for parents and the classroom and schools, a lot of what schools already do, but maybe some weren't and they wanted to add this. But the big things are that if a student um, changes their name or pronoun at school, that the parents are notified, which a lot of the people that oppose the bill talk about this putting students in danger because you know, theoretically, ideally, everybody thinks there's some um, warm, fuzzy, supportive household for all students, but of course, that's obviously not the case, as a lot of people have said. And it also bans curriculum um, in early elementary school around LGBTQ issues, which Republicans argued, said, oh, it's fine if the teacher talks about their same-sex spouse or everything, as long as it's not in the curriculum. Well, where's that line? What is this gonna do for teacher recruiting? How do they feel feel welcomed and, and everything else? So Kyle, what have you seen on really all these bills on how this actually affects the people that are not the subject of it, but potential and just like the whole culture really, like in our schools and our state and our community and everything? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big question. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so last year when they first tried Parents' Bill of Rights, I talked to all of the openly LGBT members of the legislature. Back then there were five all in the House. Now all those five are still here, but there's also an additional one in the Senate, Lisa Grafstein, I believe the first openly LGBTQ member of the state Senate. But they've all been extremely vocal on these three bills in particular. Um, Allison Dahl gave a very emotional t- tearful speech uh, before the gender confirmation, uh, gender affirming care ban uh, got its vote where she said, you know, this is going to encourage suicide among children. I mean, and, and they've all pointed to these national studies that have purport to show that whenever kids are denied this kind of care or not able to speak freely about what they're experiencing, that it can really impact their, their mental health in, in detrimental ways. What do you, um, is it, are you seeing when, what you were talking to experts about, Micaiah, and like looking at other states, has, has there been any sort of measurable impact yet? Or is it kind of too soon to say, um, we'll 
I mean, obviously we can reference HB2 here in a minute, but as far as other states right now with their legislation, has anything changed yet or? Yeah, so I think a lot of this is still, you know, in development. Um, you know, this big increase that we're seeing didn't really come too much until this year where, you know, there's just been so many bills across the country. But um, I think the big thing that we're seeing is, you know, just these court challenges that are, you know, being teed up in various states. I, I mentioned the Arkansas bill, but Florida also had um, a law that was struck down by a federal judge as well, where um, it, it had to do with gender affirming care for minors as well. It would bar Medicaid coverage. Um, to receive gender-affirming care if you were a minor, and that was struck down as well. So I think the big thing we're seeing currently is just all of these court challenges that are, you know, being brought up across the country um, and possibly in North Carolina, depending on how things go. And you mentioned Florida. Of course, Governor there, Ron DeSantis, Florida passed its um, Don't Say Gay bill, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, what it was described as. Uh, DeSantis has picked many fights with Disney World because it's um, an affirming place um, for LGBTQ community staff, you know, pride, Mm -hmm. everything that they've done. Um, And so he's targeted Disney World. Of course, Florida has a much different economy than North Carolina. (laughs) Um, In North Carolina, it was during the McCrory administration. Um, HB2, the bathroom bill, cost North Carolina millions and millions and millions of dollars in lost revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, as a result, and Cooper's comment on when he vetoed these bills, uh, he referenced, he said, Republicans are serving up a triple threat of political culture wars, using government to invade the rights and responsibilities of parents and doctors, hurting vulnerable children, damaging our state's reputation and economy like they did with a harmful bathroom bill. And he goes on to say other things too. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about what's next for these three bills as we gear up for another busy week at the legislature, plus our picks for headliner of the week and the latest on the budget. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn here with Kyle Ingram and Micaiah Seminara. Before the break, we were talking about these trio of bills related to transgender issues and and schools and transparency and everything. And they are all been vetoed by Governor Cooper. Republicans have a supermajority in the legislature. And Micaiah, you were in the House for a skeletal session on Thursday where, where Speaker Moore showed up and said that some or all of them have already been calendared for Novarad. Yeah, so that's expected for, for Wednesday. Um, you know, he did give the caveat that 
there isn't a high attendance, you know, that might have to be moved. Um, you know, it is that time of year. Um, but, you know, right now it's expected for July 12th or Wednesday. That's interesting that he mentioned attendance. So the supermajority is an exact supermajority in both chambers. So if every single Democrat is there and not every single Republican is there, and depending on how everyone votes, they don't have the supermajority. So it's all who's in the room. And then there's also the chance of anybody taking a walk. Um, and that is literally what they do, but it's an intentional walk, so they don't have to be on record <laughs> voting uh, during their next election or, or anything else. So did more um, happen to mention the budget? Yeah, so, you know, he talked about the budget very briefly. Um, he had said that him and uh, Berger were, you know, staying up very late the previous night to work on this budget, um, but it is still not where it needs to be, and that's going to be something they continue to chip away at, you know, in the coming weeks. Um, I don't know if we'd want to be a fly on the wall in the room or Berger more <laughs> having budget discussions or how much conversation <laughs> there actually was. Um, Speaking of Speaker Moore, his settlement uh, was resolved this week on the big news about him recently, which was that he was the subject of a lawsuit for North Carolina's obscure um, alienation of affection law that included all these other accusations. So I don't think that's, um, well, it's settled. So like the lawsuit's not going to continue. but. I don't know if the issue is settled. Did he, um, did he talk to you and other reporters after, or what did he say? Yeah, so he talked about it very briefly. He expressed to us, you know, this isn't something he wants to keep talking about. You know, he's glad that the issue is resolved. He doesn't expect it to really continue or, or go further than this. Um, and he basically just said, you know, ready to get back to legislative matters and not really, you know, any of this uh, lawsuit stuff anymore. <laughs> After the uh, sit down I had with him about the lawsuit, he said that he looks forward to uh, being asked policy questions. And I said, the next question I have for you will be about policy. And it was, but um, I think there'll probably be some more <laughs> of, of these kind of related questions. Um, what do we have coming up this week that, was there any vibe in the in either chamber, Kyle, last or this pad, the last week in June, about is it really just budget now, or is there going to be anything else other than the overrides? No, I, I don't think it's just budget. I mean, we've got massive election overhauls that are still in limbo right now. The Senate has passed two bills that are going to look really strongly at changing the way elections are conducted in North Carolina. Those have still got to go through the House, and I think there's probably a lot of room left for the House to reform these, put a lot of amendments on them. So I think that's going to be a major focus. Uh, Governor Cooper has already signaled his opposition to those bills, so I'm sure we'll see more overrides coming up. So if we've got that, I believe we've also got medical marijuana. Uh, our Avi Bajpai had a great story on that, showing how one senator is really lobbying hard for that to be incurred, to, that to be passed. Uh, the House isn't too keen on it, I understand. Right. So rules chair, uh, Senate rules chair Raven pulled a really I mean, as a political <laughs> reporter, just um, a very North Carolina move of nice bill you have there. Do you want it to go into effect, you know, then pass medical marijuana, um, which clamp it. Another Republican was pretty outraged about, I believe, Avi wrote a separate story on that. Um, but that's kind of how things go in the North Carolina General Assembly. People um, want to get their bills passed and have long grudges, I think. <laughs> Um, all right, so on the budget, we'll see how that pans out with them 
arguing still about taxes and the finance package and whatever else. So it's another um, fun summer week at the General Assembly, everybody. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to our picks for headliner of the week. Uh, Micaiah, who or what is your headliner of the week? Yeah, so my headliner of the week is Dick's Park. Um, I went to their 4th of July celebration with some of the interns, and it was a really good time. It was very reminiscent of Disney, but not for the fireworks. It reminded me of the long line that you have to leave <laughs> Disney. Um, I'm a native Floridian, so you know it was a little, a little bit of home you know, to be at Dick's Park and walk through that crowd afterwards. <laughs> I remember the very first, um, I still have the t-shirt somewhere, um, so Dick's Park used to be, um, you know, the state-run uh, mental hospital complex, and um, there's a big argument over the city getting it and the state and cost and all this stuff that lasted forever. But once the city finally had it, they had an event in July, which is like super hot here, mm -hmm. and was called Destination Dick's, and it was so hot. <laughs> like as soon as you walk out the door, like, and then it was just an open field, <laughs> and just. Anyway, so I have my Destination Dicks t-shirt, and I've gone back for the summers for their sunflower fields and everything else, and I look forward to when they um, build some shade um, oh, yeah, no. apparatus or something. <laughs> it wasn't there when I got there, so. So, um, I'll go next then, since I mentioned shade apparatus. <laughs> so if you're looking at the video, the mark on my face is the, it actually looks really good compared to about two weeks ago when I got taken out by a pop-up tent on the beach in Nags Head. The, that Monday, the very last week in June, was incredibly windy, so much like spraying sand in your face and eyes type of wind, and our um, pop-up tent broke and collapsed and smacked me in the face and knocked me to the ground. So I'm sure the haters out there will think I you know, deserved it. But um, anyway, I didn't have to go to urgent care. I have an aunt who's a nurse who was like, hey, it could have been a lot worse. You only got a, a busted face out of it. So um, I'm like almost healed from my from my run-in with, um, with the pop-up tent at the beach. So my headliner is actually Mother Nature because, um, you know, the wind is going to do what it's going to do. It doesn't really care what kind of shade you want. If you have your super anchors in, it's going to do whatever. And the other thing with Mother Nature is that there were a lot of rip currents. Well, the lifeguards came and put it up while I was there. Uh, I saw a lot of other local news coverage about, like, up and down the coast. There mm -hmm. were so many water rescues. So Mother Nature, don't mess with it. And also um, shout out to all uh, emergency response personnel and lifeguards for um, helping people out. So. Kyle, who or what is your headliner this week? Well, first of all, we're glad you're okay, Don. <laughs> <laughs> so my headliner will be Diet Coke. Uh, the World Health Organization recently announced that they either have or are planning to put um, aspartame as a list of dangerous carcinogens. Um, aspartame is a key ingredient in Diet Coke. It's what makes it sweet but have no calories. I'm a relatively recent convert to Diet Coke, maybe in the last two or three years, but I don't care what the who says about it. Um, it's so good. There's nothing else like it on this earth. Um, a purely unnatural flavor, nothing <laughs> like entirely human made. Um, I think it's a testament to what we can create. <laughs> wow, that's like a hardcore. Do you work for the Diet Coke aspartame? I'm, I'm drinking a uh, zero sugar can of dry ginger ale, which also 
as aspartame. I mean, Splenda products are fine, but there's a little more of a bite, I feel like, to mm-hmm. aspartame sugar substitute. Although we are in North Carolina, so um, Diet Pepsi is, you know, okay. not the same. Oh, just, just not even an option. <laughs> well, they did switch to Splenda, so if, oh. or if World mm-hmm. Health says cut back on aspartame, we could go with the, you know, North Carolina soda, but. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Okay. Not for now, not for now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Don Vaughn for Kyle Micaiah. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider. And sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.